Hi, and welcome to the Dewing Grain podcast. Dewing Grain are independent and local grain traders. From seed supply to harvest movement and storage contracts, they can offer you the best strategies to achieve the highest prices for your harvest. Each week on our podcast, we begin with the market report, giving you up-to-date information and analysis, followed by the farm chat, where we catch up on agricultural issues with a guest or two. So let's start with Andrew Dewing for this week's market report. And don't forget, you can always check current market prices on the homepage of our website, dewinggrain.co.uk. Welcome to the Market Report. What follows are my thoughts or gut instincts on what the market is going to do. It is not an instruction to trade. Any decision to trade is yours. Market Report for week commencing 29th of January 2024. Hello everybody. Right, our little chat this week is the lads straight after the Norfolk dinner having a bit of a post-dinner analysis which is quite amusing and uh, yeah, good little chat and we get a bit serious as well amongst it but yeah, all good. What are the, the peace and love dinner? Uh, well, mostly. And on that subject, I, I think I'll start with a, a little anecdotal thing for youngsters in the trade. If ever there was a way to develop your career, one of them is not to uh, get too drunk, obviously, you've got to keep your beer down. But if you do get a little bit out of hand, you can slap a broker quite happily. You know, they're kind of slappable. And they, uh, they'll they be cross with you and you'll have to go, right, I'm so sorry, here's a few trades. And they'll be, okay, I'll let you off. You can slap a merchant clearly without an apology. They'll just slap them, you know, that's what they're there for. Good old slap or two or hit, whatever you take. So that's no apology required because they're just merchants. However, never, ever ever slap an end user because it's very bad for your career so yeah good advice as usual from doing grain anyway so moving on to prices for grain at the moment oilseed rape 340 very boring there's a brazilian soya crop that's getting written down daily a few bullish bits of news in the market and the market stays you know stubbornly in a in a place that we don't really like it's not going down it's not going up and it's just kind of irritating so we're just closing our eyes still and harvest 345 as i said it's below cost of production nowadays with the yields that we get at some point it's going to come off the pitch and that's up to i guess the industry can just keep importing it from abroad i suppose anyway another industry closed down hey another getting straight through the most miserable aspect of the market the feed barley market probably 145x no friends whatsoever nobody wants to buy it it is on its backside way lower than any of us ever anticipated it being very irritating yep and new crop prices are trading about 30 pounds under wheat so you're talking sort of 150 145 harvest something like that i would guess but again no one is in their right mind is going to commit to that before they even get to that point there's a encouraging start but i will remind you it is the middle of the winter and this is the historically the time when the market hits its low late january early february is is quite often the low of the market so it is under pressure there is no reason to rush out there and buy it if you're a consumer lots of them are fairly well covered farmers definitely are not trading and don't like the price that's not enough reason or enough to stop the market sliding so i think i've made that point enough in the last few weeks the market moving now seamlessly on to feed wheat is even lower and our call on it going down is just getting yeah i'm still in the mood that it has to go lower before it gets half a chance of stopping and i think the only thing that will save it will be the new crop rally should it occur 
through a weather scare during March, April. So I, I think we're in for a pretty grim month if you're looking at wheat prices. So currently, if you wanted to sell February fee wheat, you would make 167 That's not going to make you any money, is it? If you're selling it for May, we'll skip a couple of months, 172 Not really interested in May because we've got bucket loads of it already. If you sold us some for June, we pay you 175 That's, you know, that's eight quid more than the February price. Worth carrying it, more than the interest you're losing. And if you waited for the whole of the month of July, we'd, eat, we'd pay you 180 Now, it really is punchy if you look at the futures and the dynamic of the delivered market at the moment. But I think by the time we get there, our hedge is on the futures and we will, if we buy it, we'll sell futures and eventually the two will sort themselves out and I'll make money at 180x if you sell it. And I'll just talk at this moment about the carry because a lot of people are saying we're talking about this difference between new crop and old crop and what level has it got to be for it to be actually viable. I've said that you know the X farm price versus futures alters as you get towards the end of the season. I've said this several times over. So I'm guessing that July futures price and July X farm price will be the same or in very close proximity. Whereas the November futures price and the November X farm price is between 12 and 15 pounds lower. So if you take the current November futures price, which is 198 at point of recording, we would value November fee wheat at 186, 12 pounds under. That's quite punchy. We're usually 15 pounds under, but let's say right, 100. If someone came and said, "Well, here's some wheat. We've bought so little in the last few weeks. We pay 12 pounds under." So the difference between July at 180 and November at 186 is clearly six pounds a ton. You're a very good trader. However, if you pay yourself the money in the bank having moved it in July, four months earlier than moving it in November, you have to take into account the finance. And to do a simple sum that traders have to do, price, and lots of you know this already, but one or two of you don't, so this is an educational thought process for you, right? Price, 180, times interest, let's say 6%, that's kind of in between what you get if you're in the bank or if you're being charged by by the bank for having an overdraft, it's sort of mid-range, so times 6%, then you divide the sum of that by 365 days and then times it by 122 days to make it kind of like you know July movement versus November movement. There's 122 days difference, assuming the payday is or movement date is, is similar. So the actual sum of that, 180 times 6%, divided by 365 times 122, equals £3.60, okay? So selling it for July at 180 Having the money in the bank is worth £3.60. Selling it for November at 186 you are making £2.40. And that is not considering the hassle of having two year, crop years together and the possibility of bugs. It is not considering the fact you have to still keep blowing it and keeping an eye on it. It is still a cost sitting there in your barn. So, And you know, you're feeding a few mites as well to boot. So that's worthy of a conversation. Anyway, so I've, I've given you the old crop wheat prices. The new crop wheat prices are currently, uh, as available, delivered one of our stores, and there's probably one near you, 184 delivered, or 177x for as available, instant, bang, get it out of my hair, I want it to go now. Don't want it to touch a barn floor. That's what we'd pay. If you were selling at X Farm for September, 183. October, 185. November, as I've said, 186. If you're selling it for May 2025, there is a £10 carry from November at the moment, so you'd sell it for 196. Okay? So not quite 200. You'd probably make 200 for the July, certainly. So you still can get 200x farm if you sell next year's crop, but you have to wait all the way through to the following July. 
So that's the kind of sad reality of what's happened. We've called this market down, it's come down. I'm afraid at the moment there's no export prospect. I'm afraid at the moment the consumers are covered, um, short term certainly, and I'm afraid the farmers that have been holding off and holding off are still there that still need to move it. So we are seeing, we are calling this market, well, there might be some profit taking in the next week possibly, but I doubt it. We see it coming lower. We actually see the futures trading below 180 on the May futures. I think at some point a figure lower than 180. And that's quite a strong call, bearing in mind, you know, it, it represents 170x or less. That's the misery of that one. Milling wheat premiums have gone out a bit. As feed wheat drops, milling wheat, there isn't any milling wheat. So there's a £75 premium there. If you've got milling wheat, wave it at us. We and several others uh, know that there's millers or there are merchants that are short and they need to buy milling wheat. And uh, if you've got it, it's a useful thing to own. Yeah, it's. I don't think you're under pressure on that one. Malting barley, that one really is dead on its feet at the moment. It seems that the Molster, the buyer, the fob market are all pretty well supplied. There's lots of people agitating to move their stuff from farm. There's some contracts have not moved on time. So there's pressure and there's lots of pressure on people saying their germination is going to go wrong. It's all your fault. So it is one of those worries at this point. The sea change will occur sometime in probably March, April. The dynamic of have we got enough to see us through to next October? No. Let's go out there and bid. All of a sudden they won't be what they want. You know, I think the Molster's winning heavily at the moment. They are a fairly well organised group. Unfortunately, the moment when it's ah right okay we, we probably do need to buy some let's go out there they'll all do the same thing at the same time so I don't think that market is over by any shot there isn't that much more to trade to be blunt and some of the stuff on farm isn't that special so it's yeah we'll see in saying that deliveries into monsters this year have been good they've been more forgiving let's put it that way they I think they recognize they needed to be and they've done a good job at absorbing a difficult specification crop what have i missed no i don't think i've missed anything have I? we've done that you know who's on the talk obviously right everything's done so the thing that's selling our podcast the picture this week is a picture of james moore who bought the uh, shirt in the auction at the dinner which we discussed and yeah i will say this there's a potential scoop he did in a weak moment suggest that he might just do a podcast with me one day so that would be a good one I have james who's you know obviously that the main man at Viterra that would be a good one because you know he's been a band of my age he's a trader that i respect greatly and i I think he'd be uh, quite a bombastic kind of character to have on here that'll wake a few of you up hopefully i'll twist his arm again to to actually do that and the only other news is there's also a a little possible scoop or excitement for us at doing grain that there was a possible elusive trade giant who might attend the norfolk dinner next year as one of our guests We'll keep our fingers crossed on that because he's a very special person. Anyway, with that, have a fantastic week. And any of you listening this morning, 29th of January, podcast walk day. And I'll give you the address for that later. But two o'clock at Cantley, yeah, grain site. We're going to walk rain or shine. With that, have a great week. Thank you for listening. Please remember that any decision to trade on this opinion is yours. We want to take a moment to thank all of you for listening and to ask you to help us grow our audience by leaving a rating and review telling us what you like about our podcast. On Apple Podcasts, you can easily do this by scrolling down our show page, selecting a star rating and tapping write a review. 
Okay, sounding a bit more lively this week, we have got, at the moment, Ben, Webby and myself. Hello. Yeah, that's Ben. Hello. And Josh is on the phone in the other room, might come through in a minute. Just a little bit of post-match analysis of the Norfolk dinner. We're recording on the Tuesday following, so we're properly recovered. So I'm going to start with my first observation was, it was bloody cold. It was really cold. I mean, what was quite nice was on the day of the dinner, there were lots of people... Lots of companies in Norwich having lunches and, you know, you could walk around Norwich and you'd see someone in a bar and you'd end up having a beer with them, but it was really cold. So it's a boost to the local economy, a bit like Taylor Swift concerts. Just like Taylor Swift yeah. concerts. So all those pubs sold an extra burger or two and several more beers. But, I mean, the, the actual, it was minus six at one point, wasn't it, in mm. the night? And the people around the outside who had heaters near them were okay. But it's some, in the middle of the forum, it's a big expanse. And no one actually died of hypothermia in the middle of the building. It was cold, wasn't it? Yeah, a lot of glass, you know, and I did, it was difficult to heat, but yeah. They didn't drink enough. <laughs> I had my beer jacket on really early. Your beer jacket. And that, yeah. What's your beer jacket? Well, after a few beers, you really don't notice cold that much, do you? <laughs> no, okay. Webby, you had a full beer suit on and pants, right? Isn't that, isn't that a beer belly? That's the extra fat <laughs> keeps you warm. The thing that made me laugh was we'd all arranged to meet in a really nice pub with our favourite Millers. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, we'll all get changed, meet there, that'll be fine. I walk in, fully dressed, black tie, and I look round and you lot are still in your normal clothes going, huh, I better go and get changed then. We've been doing a lot of work on intercompany relationships with, you know, various people. But I enjoy that as much as I enjoy the dinner. It's great. We had a great little lunch, ten bells, bottom of St Benedict's, like... Burger and some chips. Yeah, some of us are too busy to go to lunch, Ian, I'm afraid. No, you were too busy. You and Julian, you know, the effort you put in, Ben. I've got, I've, I'll say that now. I was going to say it later on in this. Wow, you know, the work you put in. And afterwards, your beer was spilling in your car and, you know, all the tidy up. I lost one of the kegs down the ramp in the forum when I was loading it in the car. What do you mean you lost it? On the it. Friday morning. You lost it, lost it. As it were, just, I had it on a trolley. I was, and then it rolled off the trolley... And I was so hungover, I was like, oh my God, this is on the Friday morning. And it rolled down the ramp. I heard this bloke go, how? I heard this bloke go, oi, mate. I was like, what? what? He said, have you lost a beer keg? And it had gone down the ramp. Landed on a child or something. Oh, I don't, I know. Right, so all of your effort went effectively put together a very successful dinner. I think everyone, without to a man, there's been no complaints that I've heard. I'm sure there's bound to be some somewhere. I thought, no, like everyone was in like awesome spirits. I mean, it hasn't, trade hasn't been fun, but everyone was like there to like, enjoy themselves. Well, it was the old peace and love speech, you know, that was the, the point. Everyone's got to speak. They did. Everybody stuck together, didn't they? Yeah. I mean, I think things like the compliments we've got, other than, you know, well done, Andrew, well organised, bearing in mind we all know I didn't do any of that. I'll go, yeah, that's okay. <laughs> but the meat. Having Graves That's meat, awesome, yeah. which is you know <laughs> the beef and the gammon is exceptionally good quality, and every we'll be doing that. Independence from hotels gives you the opportunity to get yeah. guest beers in, gives you the opportunity to get your own caterers in. Yes, it's mm. a pain in the butt. Yes, it's more work, but the meat alone was yeah, exceptional, wasn't it? Yeah, it's awesome, really good. We ought to probably make them aware that if sometimes if you fancy a bit of extra meat, you can actually go up to them because he said you know if you came up as in a buffet style, you can have as much as you like. Yeah. Because in Norfolk, people will know Graves as people who... I didn't complain, I had enough to keep me going. (laughs) I'm sure you did, but, you know, just you know that you can go and get some more from them and lots of other... Yeah, there were some 
some women out there, Ian, do like extra meat, okay? I did make that comment in the, my speech, and then someone kind of did pick me up on it, and I said, look, I'm from the 70s, love. <laughs> anyway, I think most people didn't get what I was offering. <laughs> so, moving on from big portions, I think the next thing to talk about is the raffle. How much do we raise? I mean, in total, over the night for charity, we raised it's at least £3,000. We're still totting things up. This is net after all costs and everything. After costs, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so the local charities are going to get 750 quid each, the four of them. Yeah, yeah. Which, you know, that's great. We're really chuffed with that. The coffers of the actual dinner, we aim to break even, which is what we just about did, although it was tight this year, wasn't it? it was... Yeah, I mean, we knew that, you know, we knew that we couldn't, you know, go crazy, and it was a new venue, so we, we yeah, we kept the ticket price reasonable, well, low, actually, you know, it is, it's pretty cheap. Yeah, absolutely, well, having, not having a speaker is a help, isn't it, and that yeah. was, a, and then that gives you all that time to talk, so, you know, that was the objective. The prizes for the raffle were excellent, we bought some of them, we must mention Origin Fertilisers, who gave that extra hamper. Very kind hamper, yeah, thank and you. And Harlow Ag for the canal trip, yeah. which then, you know, the, the winner of that good old David sent some extra money for charity he was so pleased with it so yeah David thank Tyus, you David you know, yeah, yeah. a miller on our table again a miller yeah another happy miller anyway <laughs> Josh has joined us now hello Josh hello how are we doing do you enjoy the dinner yeah it's good pretty dull really no, no gossip or anything oh. indeed the dinner was exceptionally good no class A drugs or anything any anything form of terrible sexual harassment or fighting going on in the dinner at all was there no, no. so that was the general consensus <laughs> Moving on to the money raising, the auction. Well, the auction was a... Now, what made me laugh about the auction was we had a fantastic rugby shirt signed by the international players from the Leicester Tigers, the England players from the yeah. Leicester Tigers. And thank you to Joe Beardshaw, because he organised it, and it was great. Yeah. But, you know, I had a couple of people who were coming to me going, oh, yeah, I might bid for that shirt. And I was like, OK, yeah, you know. And, like, one of them said, yeah, I'm going to go in at 600 quid. I said, that's brilliant, you know, do that. But then it all went completely out the bloody window. Well, it was a classic, wasn't it? Have you got anything to say about stitching anyone up on your table, Josh? <laughs> I would actually say that Josh was involved, but I'd say Mr Perfect was more responsible than anyone. Joe Beardshaw. Yeah, he was. Joe I... was the one that had him, actually. Well, Joe's a bit of a silent assassin. He, he, sort of, he doesn't say a lot. He's sort of just, he's polite, and then he kind of rears his head. I think it's quite Norfolk, really. If someone does something silly, he just sort of well, lets think, them tie their own shoelaces I think the together. way it went is basically Scott, who was sitting there, and everything was all nice and sensible, and uh, we were like went round pouring wine glasses and Joe decided to brim Scotty right to the lip <laughs> and so Scotty gave him that look of disgust as like alright and so he just tried to alpha him by downing the whole thing the funny part is Joe then brimmed him again <laughs> and Scotty then thought I'm gonna do you I'm gonna down it again and then when I turned up I saw his glass was full so I did it <laughs> <laughs> And I think is Joe doesn't even drink wine, so there you go. To be absolutely fair, I know that he'd met up with Munty and uh, Jeffrey earlier on in the in the Weavers Pub on Colgate, yeah. and then he'd come and met us in the yeah, Rumsey we Wells. Remember. You know, he'd oh, been had a good and go, in the yeah. drawing room, so he'd had no, a few no, before go. that. Yeah, 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 that would have seen me off well before. Yeah, so the thing is, that's very kind of us, isn't it? It had a lasting effect on him. I've got to say, the dynamic of taking on us quiet Norfolk boys is sometimes not always the best thing to do, is it? He was on awesome form. I mean, our table, I mean, yeah, we enjoyed all our guest company. Actually, I enjoyed everyone's company for the whole night. It was fun. Well, the, the long and short of the auction was when it got to the point where 
the first bid was going to come in, you know, and Wilfoot did a brilliant job. Yeah, yeah. Stood up there. Even Wilfoot was left marginally speechless with what Scotty. Yeah. Scotty, like, raises his arms, goes both hands in the well, air. Well, the bidding hadn't even started. Will was like, right, where's right. my first where's bid? Where's my first bid? And he just stuck his hands up and went silent. Yeah. And everyone looked at him and they all went quiet. And then someone said, you've got to say something, Scotty. Yeah. So in his best... I can't do an essay. I can well. do it. It's... One thousand pounds. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to love that. <laughs> but no, it was absolute price. And I thought at the moment my heart sunk because I thought you might have just single handedly killed the whole auction. Right away. <laughs> but then, like, then it rattled. And no, it no. And that, it everyone awesome. t- took a breath and went, all right, different people. Some yeah. people were shy about what they'd been and what they didn't. But it went round. <laughs> it went 1,000, 25,000. It went up, 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 up. And the incredible generosity of people. And in the end, we're going to call him out on it. James Moore bought it. I mean, mm. wow. I mean, that was a massive, massive thing for charity. And we've got a lovely picture of him receiving the prize and all that, which I think we're going to try and put on the front of this week's podcast so we can see it, because it's quite good. It's got Footy and Joe in it, you know, looming, doing a Joe loom. But it was... Yeah, I mean, that, that's a Are we going to have to slightly, um, you know, graphically edit Footy's face a bit just to make it right for the, our social media? Look, it's not... <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, you're no oil painting, Ian. Oh, my God. That's why everyone went quiet then. <laughs> what would you do to Footy's face? I expect we get a phone call on Monday. <laughs> You are working with some difficult Can I just say paper. that we do have a fantastic photo of Ian Webster the morning after the dinner, <laughs> asleep on the sofa that we're recording the podcast on. And the snoring was exceptional that day. Well, yeah, he's got an excuse. He came in yesterday and he doesn't famously doesn't turn no, he doesn't turn his computer off ever. And we had a power cut and he was like, Oh, dude, I must, I must turn my computer off. Uh, oh, we've had a power, we had a power cut this morning. Anyway, he came in on Friday, he didn't turn his computer on at all. <laughs> <laughs> That's a true story. <laughs> I didn't even go in on Friday. Yeah. I went to the pub with Jeffrey Munty and uh, it, it took Scotty. me till Sunday afternoon to be in the land of the living. I was not in good shape. It was the cold that got me. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I think just back to our little friend Scott. There is the the best thing is we've actually caught the photographer caught the absolute moment. It's my favourite photo. It's my favourite photo about hundred miles. It's, it's, it's awesome. It's, it's, his eyes are shut. He looks yeah. really happy. Yeah. Ever there's a point of oh, I've never been happy all my Both life. Both hands up in the air. Looks, he is awesome. like he looks like I've got this is for you. You look like a pool champion with a face like that because yeah. yeah. he did actually win. He beat me at pool. Really? Yeah, last year at seven up he beat me, and he is the champ. So that's his pool champ face. Okay. Or it's his, I've just been stitched by loads of wine by the boys <laughs> <laughs> and bid a thousand pounds. Anyway, that was classic. How do we beat that next year? Uh, we'll have to have a prize again. We'll, we'll be looking to someone else to be on the leaderboard because the year before it was Brett. Now we've got James Moore. You know, these other companies are out there. Can they stand the pace? You know, with this sort of theme, it's better to get in early, isn't it? Yeah. Give it another couple of years, everyone, they'll, they'll yeah. outdo each other. The others, we, we don't know they're there, do they? be two grand next year, won't it? Well, I hope so. All goes to charity. So, everybody's happy. Dinner was good. Went out afterwards. Most people were happy with that. Quite a long walk because of the venue. I mean, we'll have a look at other venues, won't we, just in case. But I think we're going to end up there again because the halls, which is the one, our preference, because it's a church, it's going to take 900 years to restore. They're redoing the stained glass windows, the roof. You know, it's a grade one listed building. It's... Yeah. Well, it was a corn exchange 400 years ago, wasn't it? So one assumes they're going to want to start generating some toot again from the place. So God, yeah, yeah. The date at the moment is March 25 when it's done, so that means probably 
yeah. we might make it for January 26. But we'll look. Clearly, if the outside ambient air was warmer, it wouldn't have been so cold in the forum. But it is January, and that is highly likely, isn't it? But we don't really want to go to a hotel and go back to that kind of lame, you know, non-experience. We want it to be quirky and kind of like it was. Um, yeah. But next year's is, is actually even earlier because it's, it's the, always the third Thursday in January. Once in history, somebody changed it in the past, and that was like, oh, that wasn't good with us old boys. So it's the third Thursday is actually the 16th. So you put that in your diary, 16th of Jan, 25 is next year's dinner. Cool. And lots of people have already said... They're coming, they want a table, haven't they? That's right, yeah, yeah, we've got people signing up already. So, yeah, definitely let Vicky know if you want a table. If you want please. a table at the dinner, that actually makes a difference. Do you like that? <laughs> Is that smooth? Okay, you're going to mention there's something we someone's been asking us. Yeah, the 6th of February is the Norfolk Farming Conference, mm-hmm. and it looks like, you know, certainly this year... There is a lot going on, very, very pertinent subjects. Mm-hmm. I mean, what are the ones sticking out here? Andy Cato from Wild Farmed. For those of you who don't know, Andy Cato is from Groove Armada, and he's been pushing this alternative farming Wild Farmed, you know, gaining ground, but his talk will be very interesting. And then one of our old favourites, Paul Hoverson, is also giving a talk on catalyst farming and data sharing. Mm. Data sharing, there's a thing. Okay, well, so 6th of Feb, and that's at the Norfolk Ground. Showground, yeah. And you can get tickets leading up to the day, we believe. I think a couple of us are going to be attending, probably, because it is quite an interesting... Certainly this year, yeah, very, very... There's a lot going on, very pertinent, so they've got some good guests, there's a lunch, and then, yeah final thing I want to just ask Webby about is the doomsday clock. Oh, Do you want to just go. Yeah, go on in, Webby. So we've had this debate, haven't we? Oh, Every oh, have we? <laughs> <laughs> have you had it? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, anyway, so they are reviewing the doomsday clock timings today. Webby, you just better explain what the doomsday clock is. He doesn't most know. people know what the doomsday <laughs> clock is. It's referred to in modern culture and those things. Like, it's a group anyway. of people that come together that do essentially an equation to decide how close we are to a human catastrophe, which we decide, and then we kill the whole world. However many minutes to midnight? Seconds. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, seconds. seconds. Yeah, yeah, we went down to seconds. And the so year we, you were born was 19... 1985. Oh, was it? No, nineteen forty. Oh, sorry. Oh, whoops. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is the first one. 1984. And at that point, we were, I think it was... Five minutes to midnight. Yeah, and it's now at what? 90 seconds. Yeah, so we were having a debate, and I was suggesting that now is the safest time to ever be alive because people are living longer, saving disease, people are better educated. I know we all can argue that it isn't, but I think statistically speaking, we're better than ever. And Ian thinks we're all going to die. <laughs> no, I just I think there's so, so many awful things going around the world. That aren't just... I mean, they're pushed around the media for a short spell and then they just get forgotten about. Now that you've passed 40, Ian, (laughs) yesterday, the day before, yeah, you get a little bit like that. Clearly, I am a miserable old git who goes, yeah, all doomed. Putin is out there. Kim Jong-un, you know, you've got Xi going to go into Taiwan. You've got the Houthis, Houthi, going to do whatever they're doing. We're bombing them. And then you've got Iran trying to upset everybody. You've got Israel slaughtering a load of Palestinians, and, and the Palestinians would love to do the, the own back if they could. So on and so on and so on. So there's, and the Middle East potentially is the one where it really could kick off. So that's really what it's about, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, who knows where it goes to Iran get pulled into this? Does this become a massive wider world conflict? What about, like, China, yeah, China, Taiwan. Well, it's, it's certainly Absolutely. spread in the Middle East, but my argument is that 
back in the day, you only would have caught the news at the 10 o'clock news in the evening, maybe a bit on your car radio on the way home and a newspaper you'd bought because you haven't got the internet. Now, every time you go on the internet, you can go on BBC News and your view is just compounded constantly. I would say people's ability to make a dramatic difference in a very short space of time is there, isn't it? Don't worry, Wobby, nuclear fallout won't reach the estate your I'm estate. build a bunker. You two, you know, it's so I, huge. No, we're talking about this. What I'm going to do, I'll, I'll dig a massive hole. I've got the two containers. I'll encase them in concrete. Oh, my God. Yeah. I don't what, know what I'm going to do about water. Would you, what what food know. would you stuff in there? What would be your go-to? Oh. It's going to be spam, isn't it, Webby? <laughs> Could well do, yeah. Spam? Could well do. Anything yeah, else? but I'd have to fry it. And what do I do with the vet? I need to vent all the fat. <laughs> Don't know. Don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So, spam and pasta then? Corned beef. I'd bring some corned beef with me. Right, so there you are. And you come out of your little hut after how many months are you underground for? You've researched this. So, so if it's that close to midnight, you need to, like, we're a minute. You've got a minute to sort it out. You need to go to Sainsbury's, buy them out of tuna, spam, corned beef, pasta. Tinned peas. I mean, Sounds we, like you'll eat better there than you do now. <laughs> <laughs> I have suggested to Webby that he obviously buries his containers, gets himself ready, and actually goes into them and will knock on the door when it's safe to come out. <laughs> That's just stupid, isn't it? We'll all be fine. So, but the point. <laughs> But, yeah. you know, how long... You, so you've got to find out how long you've been The world's in it just like... It's in a, it's in a funny place. Has any, how has long am I going to be under there for? Nuclear fallout, I don't know. It's going to be... Has anyone else... A lifetime, years. isn't it? It would see me out, surely. <laughs> has anyone else built a bunker and in readiness for this? Do you think... Are you oh, aware There must be loads of people. <laughs> Someone else we work with, isn't there? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry? Yeah. Chewing grain, uh, yeah, chewing grain full of uh, preppers. Yeah. yeah. Who's that, then? Glenn. Oh, Glenn. Yeah. Yeah. Is he a prepper? He can't have a bunker in New Road. No, but I think he, if I ever wanted someone to design one for me, he'd be the man, 100%. You're right. He knows his stuff. So, out there, if you need a bunker, <laughs> doing grain nuclear fallout bunkers will shortly be available. We're going to get a design from Glenn, and it will be the best design. <laughs> and yeah. we will then get a culinary advice sheet from Ian Webster yep. on how to survive the next five months before you can come out. Something like that. I made that up. Would it not be longer than that? I don't actually know. But I think five months. The old radiation would have. I mean, how close. I mean, the north we talked about. Where would you? We need. Ha- I we think need we're s- close. I think Bacton would get taken out quite quickly. Yeah, Bacton probably. I don't think they need to. I think you just like whack one into London, mm. Birmingham, Norwich. Maybe not Norwich, but I doubt. Yeah, I reckon it would. Why not? And then Liverpool, Manchester, Newcastle. You've pretty well done the country, haven't you? It's going to take a bit of recovering from it. Assuming that the rest of mainland Europe has escaped nuclear-free, you're not going to be allowed out of the country because you'll be contaminated. So it's kind of, it's pretty grim, isn't it? You might as well not be in the bunker at all. You might as well go outside naked and embrace the flame. Don't do that, Webby. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to see you suggest it so, so people don't believe it's actually happening. <laughs> you look really silly if it didn't, wouldn't you? But the, uh, so the original part of where we're going to, so we actually, we've got a sweepstake on in the office. Everyone's bought into it on what we think the announcements are going to come in at this yeah. afternoon. Yeah, but I had a, right, so, so it was on 90 seconds and yeah. you say it's got worse. Well, they seem no, no, to go no, in there's a programme I watched the other day and there was a woman who said categorically it's got tighter. Okay. So she's on the panel. And Webby, you've dropped 30 seconds. I don't think oh, no, it's a bit, that's a bit dramatic, <laughs> I accept. It, yeah. I don't think it's ever dropped more than 10 at a time, has it? 
Oh, I've no, dropped, it's done minutes. It's I, done, I, yeah, I, yeah, it's done minutes, yeah. I've dropped 40 seconds. There's no other numbers left in between. Yeah. It's going to be a round number, isn't it? Yeah. I think going down to 60 is a bit too much because it doesn't leave much scope to oh, go so close I, to mid So, as I said, when I put the money in, so after you'd, someone, had, uh, someone had put 80, someone had put 70, yeah. and you put 60, it was like, OK, yeah. I'll put 50 then. The but safe bet, well, yeah. Mind you, if I win it, that'll be, am, I, am I to be happy or sad? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Anyway, with that happy thought, you know, nuclear destruction, <laughs> the end of the world, the Doing Brain podcast will become, if I know it's coming, I'll come up with a really crazy prediction one week, just for my own pleasure for the last few minutes. Okay, so with that, dinner signed off. Oh, I've got to mention the podcast walk, which is, if you're listening on the 29th of January, which is when this is coming out, it's today. So listen to things, get your wellies, head to Cantley. The what three words location is bedrock slant tank and it's a 2 p.m kickoff so we should be around the circuit by the time it gets dark yeah i think it will be a wellies wearing day probably but you never know so with that signing off thank you very much for listening thank you very much thank you thank you thanks for listening make sure you subscribe to get updates on new episodes and follow us on facebook twitter and instagram we are at Dewing Grain. Alternatively, you can call us on 01263 731 550 or email info at dewinggrain.co.uk. 